So you were the key then. They let you go and it all went to shit. You said it. You said it. I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the facts are the facts, right? It is a scientific fact here at Half Forgotten History. We have the smartest listeners around. And we want you to be smart with your money, too, because that's kind of a big deal. And U.S. Bank offers a wide range of credit cards for a wide variety of financial needs. And one of its most useful cards is the U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card. With a low introductory APR for 24 billing cycles, this card is a tool for getting ahead. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is a savvy financial move for large purchases, unexpected expenses, we all have those, and balance transfers. And with the ability to customize your payment date, this card really gives you control and flexibility over your financial future. Apply now at usbank.com platinum. With the U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card, you can be worry-free for the next two years. And to see if you qualify for the best introductory APR out there, visit usbank.com platinum. Limited time offer, the creditor and issue of this card is U.S. Bank National Association. Pursuant to a license from Visa USA Incorporated, some restrictions may apply. Hey everybody, what's up? Trey Wingo here. Welcome into another episode of Half Forgotten History. Got a really special guest for you this week. He was a linchpin member of that Legion of Boom defense in Seattle that led them to two straight Super Bowls, and they came oh so close to winning back-to-back Lombardi trophies. And now, of course, he's figuring out the next step in his career, or if he even has one. I'm talking about linebacker K.J. Wright. He was released by Seattle before last season, signed on with the Raiders, and now... His playing future is very much up in the air, but his past is oh so interesting. So please enjoy this episode with K.J. Wright. Well, first of all, I was this many days old when I realized your full name was Kenneth Bernard Wright Jr. So is the the J and K.J. for Junior? Is that what that comes from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm named after my dad. All right. Well, there you go. So am I. I'm a third. So Mm -hmm. I I get it. And uh, we carry on those. uh, We carry on those traditions. So. Um, you find yourself in a similar situation as you were this time last year, trying to figure out where things were going, mm-hmm. but you're taking a different approach to it this year. Yes, I am. Last year, I would, I would say that was one of the lowest moments in my NFL career. Just that free agency journey when you're, no one's calling your phone, the phone is dry, the, your hometown team don't want you, and you're like, where the heck am I going to go? OTAs go by training camp go by and your body has been on the clock for the past 10 years. And I was just itching like, oh my God, what's about to happen with my career? And um, so I was stressed out last year, but but this year I'm, I'm chilling, I'm, I'm working out, whatever happens, happens. And if it, does, if it doesn't happen, then I'll be all good. Just, you know, raising my kids and, and doing a little media stuff. Yeah. But is it, is it hard to sort of wrap you around your head around the idea that it might be done or, or I mean, cause I'm sure in your mind, you're still thinking I can play. Yeah, it's it's not it's not. I've, I've had that that come to Jesus moments. Like if it doesn't happen, obviously it's going to suck on Sundays. It's, you know, football Sunday is going to suck because I've been doing it. I know I'm great at it, but man, I did a lot of really good things on the football field. And so everyone, we all have a clock. It's going to come come to an end for all of us. And 11 years is something that I could really be proud of. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be all right. It'll be all good. You're right. I mean, eleven an 11 year NFL career is way beyond the norm. But everybody always wants. A little more, right? Like, do, you always want that little extra taste. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, my goal was 10. And I said, I get the, I get the yeah. 10 years, I'll be fine. But I got to year 10 and I had yeah. one of my best years. I was like, okay, let, let me keep this train going. And so, um, yeah. yeah, here we are going on year 12 and um, had a fantastic time in Vegas. And so we'll, we'll see what happens next. 
Yeah, we'll get to the Vegas part of this in a minute, but everybody knows you as a part of that defense that was such a staple in mm-hmm. Seattle for all those years. And um, the way it ended, that was surprising to you, right? Because you had, like you said, you had come off a really, really good year and the business got in the way, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I saw that coming. I saw it obviously when they drafted Jordan Brooks, fantastic football player. But yeah. here I am, year 10, contract year, got a young, strong, faster linebacker. Okay, the writing on the wall is that KJ may not be here next year. But I had a little glimpse of hope because Jordan moved to the wheel position and I moved to the Sam position. I was like, maybe, okay, maybe they could keep me here. You know, he plays, I play. We can figure out something to where it works for both of us. But it was like, we're going in a new direction. We love you. Thank you. But your services are done here. So, Came to an end. And that's never, like, it's never easy, right? Like, people always say, hey, man, it's just a business. And I'm like, yeah, it's a business for them because they sit in an office yeah. and they, this isn't a business for you. This is, this is, this is what you do. This is your livelihood. It's your passion. And, and, and I was there for so long. It's like, you guys are my family. I like, I felt, I felt like I had a key to that building and they just took that key from me. It's like, nah, uh, you, you can't come back in here. And so it's definitely a tough pill to swallow. I remember it, um, I remember going and packing my my locker, cleaning out my locker. You now you get that big brown box, put all your stuff in there. That was that was a real surreal moment. It's like two days before training camp. I had to go pack everything up, and so it, it was a tough pill to swallow. But it, it's still no no love lost. I love them, but it was hard. So before we get into your personal journey to the NFL and everything that got there, I, I feel like we're going through a real complete reboot in Seattle mm-hmm. because, like, like you know, we we saw Richard Sherman leave and then the rest of the legion of boom left and then marshawn lynch leave russell leave you know now bobby wagner's not there you're not there what do you think of what's happening in seattle right now i believe well here's the thing my last year there we were we were good we was 12 and 4 my last year i left and then last season happened it was just it was a complete mess just put in yeah it's a complete mess and then you have the the russell you know the, all the trade rumors and all this stuff. And so they just look like, okay, last year was terrible. Our quarterback, we don't know if he wants to be here, loves it here. And so let's just hit the reset button. And what it looks like is that Pete and John want to start back in 2010 when they, they first got there. Just, hey, let's start this thing from scratch, get everyone out the building, and we're going to start this thing from square one with the guys we have. What you just said, I think people forget, right? Because they're looking at last year's season and like it wasn't very good. But the year before... Yeah. Whether or not you guys were going to be the number one seed or a wild card nope. came down to the last play <laughs> of the last game of the regular season, a nope. goal line stand. You guys were that close to not only being NFC West champs, but being the top seed in the NFC. NFC champs. And we were a really good football team. And we played, um, and Rodgers, unfortunately, put us out. We've never gone to Green Bay and won in Green Bay. I've never won there. And so um, then they go to San Fran and get embarrassed by the Niners. So if we would have went back to San Fran in that playoff game, I had no doubt in my mind we would have been on the way to the Super Bowl. And so this, that was two years ago, Trey, when we was a, yeah. they were a really good football team. And just they let me go in. And last year it was just wasn't good. So you were the key then. They let you go and it all went to shit. You said it. You said it. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the facts are the facts, right? I mean, you left and suddenly everything, everything wasn't working anymore. But, but on a, on a, on a serious basis, you know, so much of the NFL now is based on offense, 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 wide receivers, points, you know, 
EA Sports, Madden, football, all of that. What made the Seattle Seahawks run really interesting mm-hmm. when you guys were there, it was a defensive first football yes. team. And, and yeah. there's there's no denying that. You guys were bucking the trend at that mm-hmm. point. It hadn't quite become what it is now and how you call the game and, and the, the penalties that you get now. But it was still going that way. And with you guys and the Legion of Boom and and everybody else, you know, Bennett on the line, all that stuff, you guys were a defensive first football team that found a way to succeed when the NFL was shoving offense in everybody's faces. How did that work? Pete did a fantastic job, and they just got lucky in picking the right group of guys to be in in that locker room. You just look at it from the front end all the way to the back. We were just stacked, and our mentality was what really stood out. Like, we were always prepared. Always hungry to make the next play. And you just saw on the football field, we just moved in and as one. One of my, my favorite games ever, maybe cliche, but go back and watch the Super Bowl. I've never seen us move so just synchronized on the football field. Everybody, everybody just so you know, so prepared and just played hard. You know, top defense of the generation of my eyes. Well, listen, I was at that Super Bowl with my son who was a Peyton Manning fan. So, yeah, we don't need to talk about that. We don't want to really want to talk about 43-day safety on the first play of the game. That was, that was a tough parenting day. I'm not going to lie to you. But, uh, you know, but, but okay, to that point, right? Like, for example, let's go through that defense. Because it. you're right. It's, it was a defense of a generation the likes of which you'll never see. And it was mm-hmm. sort of built from the back front. Um, you had the Legion of Boom back there. Which, by the way, here's the way I've always looked at the Legion of Boom, okay? It was Richard Sherman. Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, and other corner, right? I mean, there were three There were three cornerstones, and then there was whoever the other corner was going to be. That's the way I always perceive the Legion of Boom. Is that accurate? I, I wouldn't say that. I would say Brandon Browner was a monster. He's a big boy, no question. Brandon Browner was a monster. He'll give you a holding penalty every now and then, but the man was just really yeah. talented. And he's the original Legion of Boom. And then you bring in Brian Maxwell who yeah. was fantastic as well, got a big contract to go to the Eagles. And so that was a talented group. That was a really talented group. And whoever was at that other corner spot had to hold their own because they knew that if you throw it to Sherm's side, it's going to either be intercepted or, or tipped for another interception. And so fantastic group, man, and just, just one of a kind. Were you and Richard in the same draft class? Yep, me, Sherm, and Malcolm Smith. That's incredible. Malcolm Smith, Super Bowl MVP of the Super Bowl, which will not be mentioned anymore, Super Bowl 48. We're not mentioning it again. Congratulations, Malcolm Smith. You got the MVP. So you got Malcolm Smith, yourself, and Richard Sherman in the same rookie draft class. At what mm-hmm. point did you start looking? Because everyone does this, right? Everything, you guys are all competitors. Everything's a competition. Everything's a game. At some point, when did you guys realize, oh, I'm going to be better than you as a rookie? No, I'm going to be better than you as a rookie. No, I'm going to do this. Like, what, when did the game start? Well, we all had our different journeys to be having a successful rookie season. Sherm didn't start playing until about week eight because Marcus Trufant got hurt and Walter Thurman got hurt. Yeah. And here comes Richard Walter Sherman. Walter Thurman. Wow. Yeah, remember him? Yeah, here comes Richard Sherman yeah. just getting all these crazy interceptions and locking down locking down these receivers and start talking like, oh, this dude is pretty good. And so for me, I started as a rookie from, from day one. I started the first game and haven't looked back since. And Malcolm – Malcolm, he just he sprinkled in and there throughout, you know, throughout his four years there. But we all had our different journeys. And um, once we got our spot, we just never looked back. Yeah. Look, Sherm is a good friend of mine. I text him all the time. But yeah. he had to he had to be a lot those first couple of years, right? Like <laughs> Sherm, Sherm doesn't do 85 or 90%. It's 110. Like he had to be a lot to handle. 
I, you know what? I absolutely loved it. He, Sherm was what we needed on that football team. He held us accountable. He was calling out all the plays before they happened. He was on Russell, like, hey, Russell, we need we need this from you. And he was just let guys know we need to elevate our game. And he was someone that I loved playing with. I, it, it crushed me when he tore his Achilles and then, was, you know, was let go that, that, that offseason. And so... He's gonna have that gold jacket on him in about you know five six yeah, years man. and fantastic player. Yeah, he's uh, he's actually one of my all time favorites because he he ain't afraid to talk and he ain't, he ain't afraid to yeah. back it up. Like some of my <laughs> my favorite memories about Richard, you know, one of them was when he got Trent Williams so angry in that playoff game in Bless DC him. that he punched <laughs> him in the face. I mean, like like you know you've won, right? You know you have the mental edge when someone mm-hmm. wants to take a swing at you with a helmet on. I'm telling you, man. And he he just found a way to get in guys' head. And Sherm, Sherman got so good at one point. You know, we ran cover three, right? Sherman would tell me, he was yeah. like, Ken, I don't want you to buzz on my side. Go do something else. If I'm on a single receiver side, go be a spot player on the quarterback or something because they would not throw my way. And so he's just, his confidence was through the roof. And, you know, he's just always fun to play with. And you guys not only were fun to play with and fun to watch, but you had no problems getting in each other's faces on the sidelines. And look, I get it. It happens way more than people yeah. think. It happens in almost every game. You just don't see it in every game because not every game is nationally televised and you don't have the star power where you get the better schedule like the Seahawks always got. But there were so many times where you could just see players on the Seattle bench having no problem with getting on each other, but it it worked like because you guys all had that level of respect. Yeah. And we, and we had that level of love for each other too. Like we had such a great relationship off the field. I can come to you and let you know, Hey bro, you slipping right now and you may get mad. You may be like, bro, you better get out of my face. But in another day, I'm give you a hug after the game, after we win, we'll go out to Joey's and have some lunch and, and everything will be all good. And so just our love and care for one another was a way that we could, you know, express ourselves in, in that way. And um, they definitely played, you know, played off on the football field. Well, outside of the Super Bowl, there are a couple of other memorable games that I want to get your takes on in Seattle. Why don't we take our first break here on Have Forgotten History with K.J. Wright. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the craziest games I've ever seen in the history of the NFL that involved Seattle and this Legion of Boom secondary and this entire defense. We're coming right back with K.J. Wright. It is a scientific fact here at Half Forgotten History. We have the smartest listeners around. And we want you to be smart with your money, too, because that's kind of a big deal. And U.S. Bank offers a wide range of credit cards for a wide variety of financial needs. And one of its most useful cards is the U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card. With a low introductory APR for 24 billing cycles, this card is a tool for getting ahead. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is a savvy financial move for large purchases, unexpected expenses, we all have those, and balance transfers. And with the ability to customize your payment date, this card really gives you control and flexibility over your financial future. Apply now at usbank.com slash platinum. With the U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card, you can be worry-free for the next two years. And to see if you qualify for the best introductory APR out there, visit usbank.com slash platinum. Limited time offer, the creditor and issue of this card is U.S. Bank National Association. Pursuant to a license from Visa USA Incorporated, some restrictions may apply. All right, back on this episode of Half Forgotten History uh, with longtime NFL linebacker K.J. Wright, who, of course, spent a decade playing for Seattle when the Seahawks were one of the premier teams in the NFL. And yes, you did win Super Bowl 48, 43-8 when everyone was on the Peyton Manning victory tour in 2013, the year he threw... 55 touchdown passes, still a record, by the way, in a 17-game regular season. He did it in a 16-game season. Before we move on from that, 
did you guys feel? Because here's why I felt walking into that game uh, in at MetLife Stadium, I felt like I I was at a Seahawks home game because mm-hmm. you know the Broncos have had won a few Super Bowls, they've been to a bunch. I remember walking into that stadium like all I see is green and fluorescent yellow <laughs> everywhere. Did you guys yeah. feel that energy in that stadium that day? We, we, we most definitely felt it. Our fans, they always travel. They travel well. And for that to be the – that's the second Super Bowl that they've been to. And everybody knew, like, this could be the one that we really get. The first one, they always say it got robbed from them with the Big Ben and the Steelers. Yeah, but man. everyone knew in Seattle, like, this is our time to bring this Lombardi Trophy home. And so we definitely felt the energy, whether it's home or away. It felt real good. Obviously, because of the things we've talked about and Peyton being the, the person he was in the league and the records that he set and still, I think, 54-something or 5,500 yards passing, also still a single-season record, it felt like going into that game, the narrative was, well, you know, Peyton was let go in Indy went after he got hurt and they had the chance to draft Andrew mm-hmm. Luck. Here he goes. The sheriff is back on the top of his game, coming back from injury. He set this record-setting season. It felt like a lot of people were thinking of it as a coronation and not a contest. Did you guys perceive that that week in New York? We we knew the talk. You, you hear the stuff in the media of oh, best offense in the history of the game, Peyton Manning, this yeah. is his year. You, you definitely hear all that stuff. But at the end of the day, when you turn on the film and when you step in between those white lines, none of that stuff even matters. And so once we hit that field, well, first of all, let me take it back. Yeah. Once we was watching them on film, we saw like none of these defenses are remotely close to us. That's true. They're putting up all these points, and no one that's playing can remotely even come close to what we bring to the table. And so we knew that when we stepped on the football field, that they have not seen anything quite like that. What they're about to see, and so we stepped on the football field and just handled business like we knew we could. So was it was it tendencies that you saw in that film study or did you just not see defenses being as aggressive as you guys were? I just, I just saw a lot of bad ball. I just saw a lot of bad ball on, on defense. Like how are they just letting Peyton and, um, you know, uh, Decker just do all this stuff to them. And so we knew that when we watched the film, we knew what they liked to do. We definitely had their tendencies and we was just moving on the string, moving on the string, put the ball in the kill zone, lighting uh, Moreno up and just, it was just a really fun, fun day. And, um, yeah, that even the eight points they scored was way too many. I shouldn't even score that many. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're right. I mean, like I always say the first points in a game are the toughest to get. And I yep. remember right before the half, uh, they had a chance to kick a field goal just to get on the board. Right. And they think they were down 20 to nothing at that point or 18. It was some weird score. So they were going to go for the touch. I'm like, guys, kick the field goal. Like, just get on the board. Kick the yep. field goal. But to, to that point, the first play of that game was a safety. Uh, Peyton came up to the line of scrimmage to try and change the call. As a defensive player, when the first snap of the game is a safety and you're on the field, you had to think, there is no way we're losing this game. Uh, we didn't go that far. We didn't go that far. We was like, dang, did that really just happen? Like, okay, let's, let's let offense go on the field and let's hit, let's hit the reset button. We, all, we always like hit the reset button, next play. And so that, that didn't phase us too much. That didn't phase us too much. When, when I realized we weren't about to lose the game – was when Percy Harvin second half. We was all talking about yeah, we was all talking in the locker room. Oh, we about to get the ball back. Um, they haven't kicked it to us. Percy about to re- about to return it. Everybody in the locker room knew that we was about to take it for a touchdown. And I, I kid you not, you can ask anybody in the locker room. And here we go. They kicked it off. Their little squib kicked to Percy, six points. Yeah, and that was it. And that, that like that's that's well, when yeah. that's when the reality set in. Like 
this is not changing. Yeah. Like this is it's not like changing. Not <laughs> it it, be, it became it became just you know pro forma. Like let's let's get to the end here because we we all know how this is going. You you mentioned Percy. Like we talked about the strong personalities uh, in in yeah. the locker room in Seattle. You know there are all kinds of stories about Percy and going after and going on and fighting Golden Tate. Like what was it like? I mean how did how did you guys control all those strong personalities because it bubbled over quite a bit. Yeah. We did a great job controlling the personalities that, that came in. Like, we all came in together. I came in with, with Sherm, Doug, Cam, Earl was a year older than me. So we all knew how to somewhat monitor each other. And um, when Percy came in, it was just – that, that experiment, just, it didn't work out. It, it didn't work out. He came in, tremendous player, tremendous talent. But just gelling with the guys, yeah. you know, it, it didn't quite it didn't quite work out. That was never his forte. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I love him. I love him. Great dude. But it's just when he came there in, in Seattle, it didn't quite pan out the way that everyone envisioned because he is a tremendous talent. But the chemistry wasn't quite there. Wasn't there a fight that week with him? Yeah, I don't know how they got out. I don't know who let that out. It was That's, it was yeah. a fight. Yeah, it was it was it was it was, it was golden, right? It was golden tape. It was golden. Yeah. And um, yeah, once that happened, we was like, let's get through this game. Yeah. But this this <laughs> this this, this got to get addressed because we don't really physically fight each other. We argue. We get yeah. mad. We may fight. We, you know, we have pass on in practice. That's just as far as it goes. Sure. But off the field, off the field, you know, we love each other. And um, yeah, there's no fights off the field. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, it was something, man, like that. It, it always felt like you guys were just on the level of combustion and you got to this point and you found a way to bring it back. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's how it worked. That's how it worked. And we, we all had those cool calm guys. Like I was cool. Bobby was cool. Cam was cool. And so we, you have to have that fine like mixture of guys to just make this thing look really awesome. And so we had a great mix of personalities that made it work. Yeah. So, okay. So anyway, you're rolling there. You, you win that Super Bowl, Super Bowl 48. You go into the next season as one of the favorites to win, to win it all. You have, the NFC Championship at your at your place, and I remember early on in that game against Green Bay Packers, they had like three opportunities in the first quarter or maybe the first half, first and goal, and I think they kicked field goals on every single one of those drives. Yeah. How much of a boost did that give the defense? Because if they had scored maybe one touchdown, suddenly you guys are in trouble. That game could have easily been 21-0 yeah. early. In the first quarter, because it was turnovers. We we, we, we turned over on a kickoff return through interceptions. It's like, man, like this game could have gotten ugly. But hats off to our red zone, red zone defense because um, Aaron Rodgers, they were on fire that year. They were really on fire. But he had his calf injury. Aaron did have his calf injury. And so that game could have got way out of hand. And so five turnovers total. And for us to, for us to win that game was still bizarre to me to this day. Here's what I remember about that game more than anything else, and we'll get to the the onside kick because that's what everyone remembers. And yeah. you know, the, the Packers tight end blew his assignment because I think Jordy was there to take it, and he went up for the ball, and then you guys got it. But yeah. to to me, the greatest attribute an athlete can have is when he's sucking and just not playing well to find that switch to turn it around. Mm -hmm. and, and I say that because. I think we can all agree Russell played arguably the worst game I've ever seen him play for three and a half quarters. 
mm-hmm. then you guys scored the touchdown on the fake field goal. Yep. And suddenly you guys had an energy and Russell had like, he was terrible in that game. And all of a sudden he's like, holy shit, I think we actually have a chance here. And he was a completely different quarterback. I'm telling you, it's just, I've, I've been with Russell the past nine, 10 years. Each and every game, the dude is the same. He never gets rattled. We can be down 21-0 with two seconds left to go in the game. He still believes we have a chance to win. And it's just his mentality, his positivity is just infectious around the whole team. And so for the man to throw four interceptions that day and still, you know, get the job done, you know, hats off to him. And so um, definitely was a team effort. But Russell, he never he never wavers. So it goes back and forth. And we think it's over when uh, Julius Peppers picks off that ball, right? And, and picks off that pass, and or somebody else picked it off, and Peppers told him to, to get down, right? That's what it was. Yeah. I can't remember who picked it, but there was just another another blow to it. It's like, oh, my God. I, I, it was like it was like another one. And so it yeah. was it was like, but we went out there, and we made another stop. <laughs> we, we made another stop yeah. and, and, got, and got, the, um, got the ball back. And so a lot of credit went to, um, you know, Russell, but at the same time, we got to recognize how awesome that defense was to keep stopping Aaron Rodgers, to keep giving the offense the ball back all the way through to the very end. When the onside kick was messed up, you know, and obviously the the Green Bay tight end didn't do what he was supposed to. He was supposed to clear the way. So Jordy was right there to take it. Like he just done his job, you know. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. When you guys recovered the onside kick, you had to think that we got this. Yeah, yeah. We, we knew that the energy, the energy in that stadium was like, I, I can't even describe it. Everybody was just like, we about to go drive this ball down and win this ball game. We about to get it done. Yeah. And so we we Russell made a tremendous drive. Marshawn did his thing on the uh, running the ball in. Then we had the two. Then the two point conversion play was nuts. It was insane. Two point conversion. Russell did his little thing, spinning around everywhere. Just threw the ball up yeah. to Luke Wilson. That should have been intercepted as well. But God, correct. Yeah. We had some Seattle wind to just blow that ball a little bit, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and and Luke Wilson caught it, and so. Fantastic game, man. And then Aaron did his thing to make his drive, kick the field goal. And then we got the ball back in the kickoff. Correct. Or in the uh, coin toss. And Curse yeah. caught, caught the ball. Wild game. It was, was it, yeah, it was, it was Curse that caught that touchdown, right? It wasn't Baldwin, right? It was Jermaine, it was Jermaine Curse, yeah. Okay, so that's, like, by the way, that was the best throw Russell made all game. Like, <laughs> that was the best throw Russell made all game. Sure. He had it when he needed it. And then you guys go back to the Super Bowl. You guys were so beat up in that game. Look, I, 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 injuries, every team could use an excuse, like the Chiefs offensive line two, two Super Bowls ago, they were put together with spit and tissue paper. But, I mean, I think Richard had a torn labrum in his in his uh, shoulder in that game. I think uh, Cam was out there with another injury. Uh, I mean, you guys were pretty beat up going in. You had to know, like, this is going to be difficult. I'll tell you how it went. Sherm hurt his elbow in the Green Bay game. Elbow, that's right. Yeah. Elbow had the torn labrum. That's right. He tore his knee like two days before the Super Bowl. It's, I still don't know how he played to this day. Cam tore his knee before the Super Bowl. And so we were we were beat up really bad. And then you, you yeah. faced the best quarterback in the history of the game. And um, but still, still Trey. Still Trey. What was what was the score? It was uh was up two touchdowns. Twenty eight yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was up two touchdowns yeah. in, in that game. And so um as beat up as we were, we still played phenomenal. Did it all the way through and just uh, came up, you know, you you know what happened. We just came up short. Oh, 
Oh, we're going to talk about it for a second because here's here's what I remember about that. Because I my job at that Super Bowl was to do uh, do post game and do this interview the Super Bowl MVP. So when you do that, uh, you go down a little early to get to where you need to be, so you don't see some things that are happening. And you guys are uh, down twenty eight twenty four at that point. You get the ball back. You're driving, and as we're walking down to the room where we're going to wait for the MVP to come in, we hear this incredible roar, like ah. Well, like that had to be a Seahawk play. Like that, we we knew there were more Seahawk fans in that stadium because you guys were going to back to back, trying to win back to back. The Patriots, the last one to do that, mm-hmm. Super Bowls thirty eight and thirty nine. It was this massive roar, and that was the tipped. That was Baldwin, right? That was Baldwin on that play. No, that was Ricardo Lockett. Lockett, that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he comes up with that great catch to put you guys up on first. And oh, goal, oh, that was right? Jermaine, that was Jermaine Curse that made the catch. Yeah, that was your main. Yeah, that was your main curse to go down there and, and make the catch to get you up on yeah. on first and first and goal down there. Yeah. I still don't know how he caught that. So then we have to go to another place, and then two seconds later we heard another roar, and I was like, <sighs> wasn't quite as loud <laughs> yeah. as the other one. I'm like, I think that sounds like a Patriots roar, <laughs> and that's we then we saw it like because we're on we're on a we're on a time delay of about five seconds where we're getting the feed into the stadium. Mm-hmm. And that's when we saw the interception. Yeah. Now, Richard Sherman's face on the sidelines will forever be what most people think of what Seattle was thinking when they saw that interception at the goal line. What was going through your mind? What was going through my mind was, God, why are we in shotgun? We just Thank you. Yeah, we just we just gave Marshawn the ball. And I actually screamed at our last. I said, why are we in shotgun? I screamed that out loud. And then everything happened so fast and the ball got snapped. And it's just, I was like, I didn't hear anything. I didn't, and you probably, I, I didn't hear anything. I just looked and my, I just, I just dropped. I just dropped to my knees. Like this is not just happened. He didn't catch that ball. This, this, this isn't real. Like, you know, I, my back-to-back Super Bowl is not going to end like this. And so um, it's just, dev- just devastation. Probably, you know, the worst feeling you can imagine as a pro player. Well, that, that's what I was going to ask you. Have you ever had anything in a competitive arena that made you feel worse than that moment? That's, that's, that beats, it, nothing comes close to that. Nothing comes close to that. I was just was crying, mad, just, just full of all kind of crazy emotions. And so, um, that's, you don't get, you don't get those opportunities too often. And when you do it to yourself, when you do self-inflicted wounds, that, that, that stings 10 times more. Yeah, there's two sides to this play, and, and we need to look at both. First of all, you got to give Malcolm Butler all the credit in the world. Like yeah. he recognized that play from film study and knew to break a break on the ball inside. So you have to give him all the credit in the world. Yeah. Like you cannot you cannot deny his presence and awareness on that play. Mm-hmm. But to your point, why are we in shotgun? Like you have Marshawn Lynch. Yep. And you know you have the ultimate hammer. I think it was second down, right? It was yeah, yeah, second down. Yeah, it was second down. So you have three shots, okay? Yeah. You got three shots with the hammer, and okay, let's say you want to throw it, right? Mm-hmm. Why would you throw it inside where there's all this traffic to mm-hmm. argue it? And I love Lockett. Don't get me wrong. Probably your fourth best receiver. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that were going through my mind as I rethought that play. It's just it's it's really not it's really not that difficult to understand. Like you just just give him the ball all three times. You don't even throw it. You don't throw it at yeah. all. And um, we could have we could have been cool with that. We could have been like, damn, like 
they they bowed up and they got it done. And I, we were probably just been, you know, we that feeling that we had as this dynasty is over, it, we wouldn't have felt that my entire time in Seattle. We would be like, damn, we fell short. We'll go back next year. But once that moment happened, you knew that this this is over. Like we can't. All this success we had, this love for one another we had, this is it's, it dwindled away with that with that decision. People always talk about, well, you know, you had all offseason to recover, and all. This. It's nah. the emotional. It's nah. the emotional damage as much as the physical stuff, right? That that's Trey. That that gray dark cloud hung over us for about four years, to where yeah. we were just upset, we were angry, we we didn't really talk about it, but you just felt the energy in that building when you walked in there. It's like. This sucks. It's, it really sucks right now that we're that I don't have two Super Bowl rings, and so um, it lasted a while. And you just so that's when things started changing. Guys started leaving, you know, leaving the organization, getting cut, getting traded. He's like, all right, this this a wrap here. I promise we'll move on from this. But like people don't understand the significance of that play because had you guys scored a touchdown there, you would have been the first team since the Patriots to repeat as Super Bowl champs. Mm-hmm. People would then be saying, why can't Tom Brady win a Super Bowl? Because before that Super Bowl, his last Super Bowl win was Super Bowl 39. 39. Okay? So it would be like he's lost his last couple of Super Bowls. Are the Patriots still the dynasty? All that kind of stuff. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this. If you guys had won that game, Pete Carroll would be the only coach in the history of football who would have won multiple college national championships and multiple Super Bowls. All of that, poof. Went away on that one play. Mm-hmm. And people were then talking about, oh, these guys can go back to back to back. They could do it a, a third yeah. time. And so you, yeah. you know, when Tom Brady got that one, he did another one when he beat the Falcons. He got one when we went to the Bucks. Yeah. And it's just when you yeah. get the momentum and you got the confidence, that that sticks with you. And so um, that that play, it, it changed a lot of people's lives. It, it really did. A lot, of lively, you know, yeah. a lot of lives got changed by that. A lot of legacies got tarnished by that, by that decision. And so – it's something that was hard to learn, and um, I'm sure if they're ever in that situation again, they'll they'll know what to do. And again, uh, people always say, "Oh, well, you know, there's always another season." It don't work that way. Like uh, you, you would, will you ever let that go? No, I can't. <laughs> I, I, I can't. It's like that's. I, I I think about that Super Bowl more than I do about the one that I won. Like yeah. I, I think about losing the one. You know, that's, that's an athlete's a wire. Like what didn't we? What didn't sure. we do? And so I think about that one more than I think about the Super Bowl ring that I do have. Yeah, no, you're, you're 100% right. I, whenever I talk to a, a player, they, the first thing they'll always remember is what I didn't get right as opposed mm-hmm. to the things that they do that did get right. Yep. And that's sort of survival, right? You have to think that way. You, you think that way. And here I am right now as a free agent. It's like, damn, I got all these tackles, but I don't have 1,000 tackles. I'm like eight away from 1,000 tackles. So that's always in the back of my head. Like, damn, I need to go get this or I haven't gotten a touchdown yet. Or it's like always something that we want to go achieve, and that's what drives us to be the best. But at the same time, like we don't we don't appreciate the work that we've done enough. Yeah. Well, listen, you you put in amazing work with the Seahawks. Why don't we take our second break? When we come back with KJR, we'll talk about the last season with the Raiders and what and what lies ahead going forward. Stay with us. We're coming back on this episode of Half Forgotten History with KJ Wright. It is a scientific fact here at Half Forgotten History. We have the smartest listeners around. And we want you to be smart with your money, too, because that's kind of a big deal. And U.S. Bank offers a wide range of credit cards for a wide variety of financial needs. And one of its most useful cards is the U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card. With a low introductory APR for 24 billing cycles, 
This card is a tool for getting ahead. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is a savvy financial move for large purchases, unexpected expenses, we all have those, and balance transfers. And with the ability to customize your payment date, this card really gives you control and flexibility over your financial future. Apply now at usbank.com slash platinum. With the U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card, you can be worry-free for the next two years. And to see if you qualify for the best introductory APR out there, visit usbank.com slash platinum. Limited time offer, the creditor and issue of this card is U.S. Bank National Association. Pursuant to a license from Visa USA Incorporated, some restrictions may apply. All right, back with K.J. Wright on this episode of Half Forgotten History. We're moving on. We're past the Seattle disappointment in Super Bowl 49. <laughs> We're moving on. We are going forward. Uh, and you spent last season with the Raiders. Now, it took a while to get there, and you said it was an anxious time. That was a wild year to be a member of the Raiders with everything that went on from you know, John Gruden get picked off by an email from the Washington football team to what happened with uh, Arnett, what happened with uh, with uh, Henry Ruggs. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of shit went down for the Raiders last year, yet you guys still found a way to get into the postseason and had a chance against the Bengals uh, yeah. in that wild card playoff game. Can you put into words how crazy that season was in, in Las Vegas? I've, I've never experienced anything like that. Like, you, you have your stuff during the season. You have your drama. You have your, you know, whatever. But to have a head coach get fired, never experienced that. To have, you know, guys, you know, just, just had the tragedy that we happened that was unfortunate, never experienced anything like that. And guys getting your first-round pick getting released for social, things on social media. Like, you're like, you don't, yeah. you don't see stuff like that. And, and we definitely, we felt that. We felt that stuff in the middle, in the middle of the season. And for us to even make the playoffs, for us to get ten wins, that yeah. was that was that was really impressive. By you know, obviously Derek Carr, obviously Coach Rich Passaccia, and the character in that locker room, and so a lot, a lot of stuff that we had to overcome, and it was not easy at all. Yeah, I really felt bad for Rich because he became the the Raiders. By the way, and I don't know if you even knew this, you guys became the first team last year ever to fire a coach midseason. Now, normally, <laughs> you fire a coach because you have a losing record, not for an email that got picked off from a different time zone. But you guys became the first team ever to change coaches, head coaches in the middle of the season and make it to the postseason. I thought Rich did an amazing job. And I kind of felt bad that he didn't get more of an opportunity to get the head coaching job. And maybe you can make sense, you know, to me, because the way I look at it is like you haven't been to the playoffs in forever. You have all this drama. Your players absolutely love this man and Rich Passaccia. Yeah. Everyone loves him. It's to me, it's a no brainer. Like, let me give this guy, let me give this guy an opportunity. Let me give this guy an OTA. Let me give him an offseason. Let me give him some draft picks that he loved to see if we can keep this momentum going. And so it was just a no brainer to bring it, bring him back. And so I don't know, you know, what goes in as far as decision making and what they want as owners, but I was like, you can't do that as a team. Like, maybe you can yeah, have I, you. I, I didn't get it. Listen, I learned a long time ago never try and get inside the, uh, the thought process of a billionaire. Because it just doesn't it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. There's not a lot of logic that goes into any of that. Hey, I wish Josh Josh McDaniel all the luck in the world. We'll see what happens. But I thought Rich really deserved an opportunity um, to have a full time job as the head coach there. Mm -hmm. The other thing I want to get your perspective on because what we've seen in the AFC West in this offseason is basically everybody loading up to try and stop the Chiefs, right? We have mm -hmm. the Raiders getting Devontae Adams and bringing in Chandler Jones. You have the Chargers bringing in Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson. You have Denver getting your former quarterback, uh, Russell Wilson, to go along with all the wide receivers they have there. All of this to me, mm -hmm. KJ, is because of one guy, 
Patrick Mahomes and the stuff he's been able to do. So I want to get your perspective, having tried to defend him twice last year and explain to people how almost impossible that is. The man put up 40 points on us both times. And when you look at the Chiefs offense, there it's it's hard to even prepare for them because they really run backyard football. They they run some stuff, they start scrambling, and he chunks it up for 40 yards to either Travis Kelsey or, you know, he had Tyreek Hill. They're so hard right. to defend, they're so hard to prepare for. And the Mahomes is special talent. There's no throw he can't make. And so it's just a team that when they let Tyreek Hill go, go I don't got yeah. them as the best team anymore. I don't, I don't think they're the yeah. best team in that division anymore. I got the Raiders as the best yeah. team. But the Chiefs, they're just – their playbook is just unreal. All right, so let's go to two things there. Number one, how much do you think the loss of Tyreek will impact what we see from Kansas City's offense? It's going to be changed. Like, who, who's, who's, going to, who's going to be that guy when Patrick Mahomes starts scrambling that he can just chunk the ball up to, you know, 60 yards down the field? Who's going to be that guy when Tyreek runs that drag route, he just throw a five-yard route to, he makes everyone miss and go scores a touchdown? No one on that offense can do remotely close to what Tyreek Hill did. And so uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how they respond with the loss of him. I, I think they're banking on Mecole Hardman to try and finally get that because when they drafted him in 2019, I thought they, they might lose Tyreek. What, a, what a, have, your, have been your impressions of trying to like deal with Mecole? He's good. He's good, and he's extremely fast. Like We always talked about both those guys, and um, we knew that big speed guys, but watching them on film, Tyreek, is, he's different. No, he's the yeah. most feared offensive player in my mind when it comes to receivers. And so, uh, you know, he's definitely got to take that next step. But you cannot replace Tyreek Hill. No, I always call him the Steph Curry of the NFL. Like yeah. he has unlimited range. Like he can hit from anywhere. Yeah. Um, with, with that being said, again, having played Patrick Mahomes twice last year, where do you rank him in the terms of quarterbacks that you've played against as the toughest? Oh, played a lot of good ones. I'm going to go – He's top five. He's top five. Mm-hmm. I got Brady up there. I have Philip Rivers. Rivers. Up there. I love Philip Rivers is one of a kind. Um, Drew Brees is up there. You put I, I got Mahomes top five. Lamar Jackson. Yeah. That dude is that dude is talented as well. And so Patrick Mahomes, yeah. he's he's top five in my eyes. Now I'm curious, what about what about Rivers? Because uh, you I mean, I, I've sensed a lot of love there for the the talkative non swearer in Philip Rivers. Man, he's just – I wish I had the chance to play with him or just to see how he is at practice. I hear he's an awesome, awesome dude, awesome teammate. And just when you step on the football field with him, I've never had a quarterback to say what defense we're in and let the whole offense know. He would say, these guys are coming to weak side blitz to, to your right. Hey, center, slide to your right. They're doing that blitz we saw on film. He would literally say that on the football field. And just the way that he picked us apart, one, one game Antonio Gates had four touchdowns against us. And Phillip River is one of my most favorite people ever to compete against. And, um, you know, fantastic talent. All right. So, like you said, you wanted 10 years. You got 10 in Seattle. You got an extra year in Las Vegas. You're not going to sweat it uh, this offseason like you did last offseason. Yeah. In, 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 in the perfect situation for K.J. Wright, what would you like your next football destination to be? I want to go back home. I think it's I think it's that simple. I um, Seattle know that I want to come back. They know that uh, how much they mean to me. Last year I left, went to Vegas by myself. My family didn't come with me. Not doing that again. I'm not. I don't think I'm going to move, uh, move my family anywhere else across the country. And so, 
if it's not Seattle, then, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be happy. I'll be content. All right. So this is a message now to Pete Carroll. This is a message to John <laughs> Schneider. I'm just saying you guys let KJ Wright go and you went from almost being the number one seed to the whole thing falling apart. <laughs> so you, you guys can correct it. You can right or wrong. Let's get KJ Wright home to Seattle. You good with that? Make it happen. All right, perfect. We'll, we'll see how much power this pod actually has. <laughs> Listen, I've always loved watching you play. As no. much as you rip my son's heart out in Super Bowl forty-eight, I have to respect the way that defense played, uh, and you were a big part of it all those years, and we'll see what happens going forward. KJ, we appreciate your time. Thank you, man. No doubt. Thank you, Trey. Once again, thanks to KJ Wright, and we'll see what happens. John Schneider, Pete Carroll, you, you know what happened when he left. You can right or wrong. Do it. Do it. We'll see what happens with KJ. They're not listening to me, but listen to KJ. Coming up on our next episode of Half Forgotten History, we'll talk to a newly minted Hall of Famer. Think of him as the Gale Sayers or Terrell Davis of offensive linemen. His career wasn't as long as perhaps it should have been to get in the Hall of Fame, but his play was so good it didn't matter. I'm talking about, of course, longtime Jacksonville Jaguar offensive lineman, Tony Baselli. We'll see you then on that episode of Half Forgotten History. <laughs>